Good morning, River Tree. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good. good. Right, excellent, excellent. I'm good. Got a busy day ahead of me because I'm flying out right after we, I leave here. Should be good. And I'm hoping I can land in time to watch football today. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I was not happy when I realized my flights were during right in the middle of these games. Not good. <laughs> I, know, I, love all, I love all the sympathy. Aw. <laughs> I'm hoping so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. They, uh, they should. I would, uh, yeah, I would hope so. Uh, Delta. They should. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, today we are continuing our series on how to be missional. And today we're going to kind of take the next step in this kind of progression we've done. So first we looked at why it's important to be missional, what a missional church kind of is, why it fits into the landscape of America today. Last time, last week, yes, we looked at what's around you. What are the, who are the people groups? What are the elements in your neighborhood? And we had you make a little, a little chart. And I see some people filled it out. Excellent, excellent. Have these little charts, these little tic-tac-toe boards that, <laughs> bonus points, <laughs> um, that you identify the neighbors directly around you. And then on the other side, the community things, the events, the locations, or whatever it was around you. So that, that's all we ask you to do. Just think about what's around you. Think about what things you enjoy doing. And now this week, we're going to take those and try to put it all together and see how can we take what's naturally around us, what God has put around us, and t- turn that missional. To start with, let's jump back into our passage here. This is a passage we've been using the last three weeks, Matthew, Jesus' call of Matthew. And I want to just highlight something. We, we've talked about it a couple times, but I want to just touch on it again. So Jesus goes to Matthew, goes out to where Matthew is, and despite the verbiage of follow me, Jesus doesn't take Matthew, you know, to a synagogue, to Jesus' house. Where did they go? Jesus sat down in Matthew's house. So despite, despite saying follow me, that's more of a generic term, Jesus isn't pulling Matthew somewhere else. Jesus is saying, hey, follow me. Let's go to your house. Let's hang out with your friends, the tax collectors, any other sinners. And I just love this idea of one of the first disciples Jesus calls is, let's go to your house. Let's go eat. Let me meet your friends. Meet the people important in your life right now. Jesus is sharing life with Matthew. I know that can be a lot of a catchphrase you hear in a lot of churches. We're doing life together. And as cheesy as that is, that, that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. Very little of Jesus' teachings happen in like official church capacities. A lot of the time, it's Jesus doing things he would be doing anyway. I, I would challenge you to sit down maybe this week and just skim a gospel. Pick one, skim it. And notice how many of these interactions Jesus has are at other events. They're at weddings, dinners, parties, at job sites, you know, they're at, at, at fishing places. This is such a core element of Jesus' ministry is being out with people. I mean, look at, there's a lot going on here, but just pay attention, pay attention to different numbers. These are just all the different spots events happened in the Gospels. Now, they're spread all around. Jesus isn't, you know, just saying, all oh, come to this one spot here. Jesus is out amongst people. And as we looked at Jesus's tic-tac-toe board last time, the, the things, the elements that were around Jesus to work with. 
you can see here how he's utilizing some of them. A lot of stuff happens along the Sea of Galilee. Up north, those locations we talked about with the kind of displaced people, the people that were kind of on the outside, there's a lot of stuff that happens down there. So Jesus is utilizing what's around him. And as you read or as you skim the gospel, maybe this week, just focus on these locations. See how many of the stories you read happen on the road, on the road to something else, on the road to some obligation Jesus has to do as a background event of something else. And I think even if you take the kind of more traditional teaching settings, like the most famous one, Sermon on the Mount, right? That's, you know, Jesus in front of people talking. Where does that happen? It's in the name. It happens on a mountain, on a little hill. It's not in a church. And if you read that passage, the kind of lead up to it, Jesus didn't seem to be, have planned to do that. The people kind of just showed up. So even these traditional teaching moments kind of happen in untraditional teaching locations. And so all of this, and specifically this, this stuff with Matthew here, being there really upsets the religious establishment. It upsets the Pharisees here. And a lot of it was because there was this idea of, well, we've been called, we're the set-apart ones, right? We are God's chosen people. And yes, that is the case. We are holy and have been set apart, but not been set apart to be isolated over here away from everyone else. The passage we read earlier is from a little bit earlier in this chapter. I think Jesus uses it amazingly to highlight this idea, this idea that we are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people take lamps and put them under bowls until they put them on stands to give light to everyone in the house. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I feel like a lot of times we take this idea of, there's even a church in my hometown called Lighthouse Church. It is literally a church up on a hill. And that's great. But I think it's not quite getting the intent of this. It's saying, we're all going to be up here shining bright. We'll be a beacon. Everyone will see the light and come up to us. How much more would it be if all that light up here was out in the community, giving light everywhere in the community? A concentrated light up here is great, but if you're over here, you're far away from it. It's going to be hard to see, hard to get there. So if all those lights are out, spread in the community, go where the most people see these lights. And that's what Jesus did, spread throughout the entire area. Spread this metaphorical light, this entire region. So that's why we want to be missional. This isn't just a kind of strategy that we're like, hey, this, this could be good, you know, make good business sense. It's, it's what Jesus did. Jesus, woo! Aw. <laughs> Got excited. Jesus wasn't concentrated into one area, he was always moving always with people, living life. And so, let's see. Ah, even still works. So that's what we want to do this week. If you think back to last week, we talked about what's your audience? What's that group of people you feel called to? And then what are the things you enjoy doing? 
What are the activities, the things that give you life? So now, how could we bring those together into something that could be a, a ministry for you? So like maybe another way to look at this question could be, if you were to just jump into a brand new church today, what would be the absolute perfect ministry program for you? That you walked in, saw it, and you're like, oh, where has this been? It's like they designed this specifically for me. And then how could you kind of work backwards to make something like that happen in your life right now? So I'll give an example. The church I worked at in Pasadena, they had a really big board game ministry. Again, I'm a big board game person, so we kind of started this idea. They kind of built a little room that was just a board game room. The head pastor was kind of an amateur craftsman, and so got super excited about it and like turned this old storage room into a really cool game room. Lots of built-in tables and you know, TVs on the walls and such. It was, it was really cool. And they had games that stayed there. And twice a month, two Fridays a month, we would host a game night. We'd get a lot of food. We'd have you know, assigned people from the church to show up, you know, maybe five, six people from the church to show up. And we'd invite people. It'd be a big thing. And it started out pretty well. It started out with we would get maybe 15 people there. But it slowly grew until we grew to the point where we were getting 40, 50 people there. And they had to like shift to a different room. They had to do things around because people were having so much fun. And such good conversations were happening that it officially started, I want to say like 6 or 7 o'clock at night. Sometimes would go till 1, 2 in the morning. People would just get going and they wouldn't want to leave. So that was maybe like the most fun I've had in a ministry setting because you get to sit and play these big games with people, and it's the same people coming back week after week. So you get to have conversations. You get to learn about their lives. You get to learn about what's going on with them, and it just grows and develops. Obviously, I couldn't do that here. We have limitations. We don't, we don't have a really cool gangster game room set up somewhere, right? So how do we do something like that? How do we take that idea and make it possible here? But for us, our limiting factor was space. So we partnered with another company, another business, Fearsoft, that has space. They have that space available. And so we shift and do kind of game nights there now. And that's how I take that kind of perfect ideal ministry and make it possible here in a smaller capacity. And through that, we've, I've been able to have such amazing conversations with people, people that are questioning faith, that have either been part of a church, gotten hurt, walked away, never been part of a church, never thought about it at all. But because of this casual environment, we're able to have conversations. And every once in a while, I will bring a very cheesy Bible game, because I have a couple, and we'll play those, and they're, they're awful games, because I don't know why. It, it, it seems like it's an impossibility to make a good Bible game, but thus far, they have not made one. But they're fun conversation starters, and you kind of get going, you can kind of spawn some fun conversations about the parts of the game, how it relates, all of that been able to come alongside people struggling. I have a couple there right now that is going through a very hard time in their marriage, and we're walking together in that, talking through things, all because of a game group. This couple would never approach a church and want to talk about their marriage, but it's through this little group. So that's one way that I've been able to take this kind of ideal ministry setting and make it something possible to do here. So what are those things for you guys? Really think about that. What is that 
perfect ideal ministry if you had unlimited resources, unlimited funds, what would be, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. And then work backwards, figure out how to make that possible here, now. So let's go back to our tic-tac-toe boards, right? So this was my tic-tac-toe board from my old house, or things that were around it. How do you implement things? How do you take this and the people you felt called to, the activities, the hobbies, whatever it is that you enjoy doing, and turn it missional? So some of the things I've done, we talked about last week, started maybe trying to go to the Wolf, and then it was a crazy oversaturation, because every pastor in the area goes there, apparently. <laughs> so I moved my third space to Beer Sauce, another spot. And through that, you've been able to develop relationships. That's kind of a home base. And there's a game store nearby. So I've been able to marry those ideas together. Take elements, advertise the game store, a board game right there, where conversations can happen. People I meet through those avenues, I've been able to go on hikes with, utilize what's near me, Castlewood. That's a great hiking park. And that is a super casual way to have a conversation with someone, right? I enjoy hiking. So it's a super easy, hey, do you want to go on a hike? And then they're kind of stuck with you for two hours, right? Like, <laughs> they're stuck there. But it's a fun way to engage with people. Velasquez, we've done a lot with that park. River Tree as a whole utilizes Velasquez quite a bit as a location. There's also events there. Um, there's always groups doing things up there that you can be great efforts to get into. Now, not everything will work. There are things I have tried using, utilizing this board that just did not work. Some things might work for a little bit and then fade away. For example, the Trends Motel. We used to have a really good connection there. Uh, we had a family that was there for a long time that we built a really good relationship with. Through that, we were able to build some kind of relationship with the manager there. And so we had a year or so where we were kind of an on-call group there. If someone needed something, we could go talk to them. If someone needed to talk to a pastor or if they needed financial help, we would be the person that, that they would go to. That's kind of fizzled out. We haven't been able to really recharge that lately. But we had that for a season. Some things you try won't work. So, for example, um, there's a local Hindu temple close by to, to where I live. I was out and ran into this guy, had a conversation about he wanted to start a group. I don't know if I'd call it a ministry, but he wanted to start a group. This, this man was a convicted felon, was out of prison, and realized he, he couldn't get any work. He couldn't take advantage of any of the programs that were out there because of his background. And so he wanted to figure out a way to help other people that were in that situation. And so we were talking with him. While I was talking with him, a, a person overheard this conversation who was from this Hindu temple and jumped into the conversation and said, well, hey, you know, you, if you're going to do this, you're going to need some tech, right? You're going to need computers and such. So this Hindu temple donated a lot of computers to them. We donated some money to them. We, we partnered with them for a little bit, as, as official as Rivertree. Um, I donated time to help them get set up as a nonprofit because that, if you don't know how to do that, that takes that's a lot of work. But again, that relationship kind of fizzled away. You know, it was something that the individual from this Hindu temple and I had talked about, like, oh, this could be a really cool partnership, finding other individuals like this, providing tech support, to providing money for computers, and providing support on our end of how to, how to get up and running, how to run things, how to do whatever. 
It just was a one-time thing that didn't happen again. So things like that happen. But it's about trying. It's about figuring out, hey, hey, let's try this thing. Okay, it didn't work. You know, an another area I have not been able to get into is the, is the universities. That is an area I've spent a lot of time in. I've taught at a number of universities. That's a group of people I feel really called to. I've tried a couple different ways to get in at some of the schools around here, and it just hasn't happened yet. So don't feel discouraged when you try something and it doesn't work, because that, that will happen. And it, it can be frustrating, but don't let it stop you from trying again, right? Because there's some really good things that have happened around this tic-tac-toe board. And if you know, the first one we had tried didn't, you know, didn't work out and we got frustrated and stopped, we wouldn't have some of the good ones that we have now. So always keep trying. Don't get discouraged. As part of that, it's important to remember what you do has to be something you would enjoy doing. Right? I have a group of friends. They've gotten really into puzzling right now. It's crazy. They have, I didn't know there was so many accoutrements to go with puzzling. They have full boards that you can put the board on. It has shelves. You put the different colored pieces in. You can pull out and eat them. It is insane. It is crazy. And at first thought, you might be like, oh, that could be a really potentially good missional opportunity, right? Like, that's an activity that can do it without... No, I hate puzzling. I, that's not something I would enjoy doing. <laughs> so that is not something I'm going to do. <laughs> like, for me, I will puzzle for, like, a half hour. I'll sit and, like, do a piece or two. I'm like, all right, I'm done. That's, that's enough for the year. I'm out. So even though that might be like a, an easy thing in front of you, you might see like, oh, that's what we have to do. If it's not something you enjoy, it's probably not a good fit for you because it's going to feel like, oh, I have to go do this. It's, so it's just all about finding those things that God has put around you that give you life in doing them. So what are some other examples of things? So this one is not my story. It's actually someone I know here in town who's done this. Uh, this person was a veteran. They served, and now they felt really, really called to help other veterans who were struggling. They themselves came out pretty unscathed, but a lot of their friends didn't. And so they wanted to figure out, what can I do to help veterans that are struggling kind of reassimilate back into society? Does some Googling and finds out there is a Pretty big nationwide programming where struggling vets are taught beekeeping. I did not know this was a thing until this person told me about it. Apparently, it is a pretty widespread program. The idea being it you know, kind of teaches patience. It, it's the, I've talked to this person about it a lot. It sounds like it's a really cool, well-thought-out program. But this person starts volunteering at a local one. There's one kind of here in West County. He started volunteering at it. And he started out just one day a week for like an hour or so. Really just kind of doing administrative stuff, like ordering things, kind of grunt work, moving stuff around, like no real kind of ministry aspect at all, just serving. After a while, he gets to know some of the people there. He's there about a year. And as he gets to know some of the people, both people that work there and the veterans that are coming through the program, they, uh, the question's asked, like, well, why are you doing this? Why is this? You know, inevitably, conversations turn to this person's faith, the church they go to, their faith in God. And slowly there starts to become a small group that are like, hey, I, this is interesting to me. Can we talk about this? Can we do this? 
and slowly a Bible study forms out of this group. Now, if from the beginning this person had been like, I want to start a Bible study for veterans struggling, that probably, yeah, probably might have happened, but it wouldn't have happened in this way because he had to build these relationships, had to build this trust that, hey, this, this person genuinely cares for me. They're not here just to try to get me into church, right? There's not that transactional element to it. They're here loving on me. So that's an example of something, how you can be missional. Find this person's group was, I wanna care for veterans. I don't know how. Googled, found out how, and then started. Just started loving. Started being open, started having conversations, and then it grew from there. So that's your homework this week. Take your chart, do I, have a, oh, I do have a homework slide. Take that chart. And if you, if you did not get one last week, I have extras here. We can kind of talk about filling them out and such. But take that tic-tac-toe board. Look at the people around you. Look at the elements in your community, the locations, the groups, whatever it is. And then sit with God. Ask, all right, you've put me here. These are the things you've put around me. How can I utilize these? How can I be missional right where you've put me? So this is the week that we're moving from the, that who, the who do I feel called to, what are the things I like, to the how. Now we're moving to the, all right, how can I be missional? How can I take what's around me, my passions, what God has called me to be, and put that all together? And hopefully with some of the examples we've talked about, you can see it doesn't have to be anything massive, right? You're not, you're not starting that giant, perfect ministry program. It's something small. Volunteering at, at the Veterans Beehive. What are the things that bring you life, that bring you closer to God? And how can you bring other people into those? That's what being missional is all about. It's following in those footsteps of Jesus. Being missional in the world. It's being that map we had up there. Jesus being Jesus all over the region. Not just in the synagogue. Not just in his home. So how can you be Jesus? How can you be Jesus' hands, feet, eyes, ears in the neighborhood around you? And we'll follow up with this, you know. I might text, text some of you guys, email you, ask like, hey, how's the TikTok dog war going? What, what can I do to help? If you get stuck, you're like, hey, I don't know what to do. I have this idea, you know, this is the kind of thing I like. How could we make this missional? Reach out. We can brainstorm a lot of ideas. And some of them won't work. Some of them might be dumb ideas. But that's fine. Try the dumb ideas and be like, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Because that's what it's about. It's about learning, growing, following that call of Jesus. Following that example of stepping out, being Jesus in the community, to those around us, to those Jesus has placed in our vicinity, in our community, in our paths. Join me as we pray.